You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Brandon Blewett. And I'm Noelle Herhusky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, December 18th, 2023. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin discusses the polar bear plunge at the Payne Town State Recreation Area at Lake Monroe. More in today's feature report. Maybe a misconception of our organization is that, you know, you have to be in some sort of crisis or some sort of predicament to be needing a mentorship when really all kids need mentors. It's an investment in our community's future. That's Lauren Fulford from the Bloomington office of Big Brothers Big Sisters. She's got a wait list of littles, hoping Santa will bring them a big. Learn more later in the show on a new episode of Activate. But first, your local headlines. At the Monroe County Commissioner's meeting on December 13th, Health Department Director Lori Kelly gave an update on COVID-19, influenza, and salmonella. So just a few updates. Statewide COVID cases have seen increases. Um, influenza is also noted as being moderate in the state of Indiana right now. Uh, we do have updated COVID vaccines and still flu shots available through the public health clinic. And um, recently we received notification there is a current nationwide salmonella outbreak of mulichita and ruby brand cantaloupes. So the CDC is recommending to not eat, serve, use, sell, or distribute um, any of these brands of cantaloupes. Later, the commissioners approved an agreement with Burgess and Naipaul for a metropolitan transportation plan. Commissioner Penny Githens noted that the county would not have to pay the full $100,000. Highway Director Lisa Ridge said she was correct and elaborated on how the cost would be split up. And I believe that Ms. Ridge also gave us information via email that this would be a federal match. And so the cost to us is not $100,000. That is correct. It would be an 80-20 split for the county and the city portion. MPO staff Patrick Martin explained why the Metropolitan Transportation Plan is necessary. All of the urbanized areas are required to have a multiple, well, Metropolitan Transportation Plan, and it must have at least a 20-year forecast. And the last um, Metropolitan Transportation Plan was prepared by the staff ourselves. We completed that in October of 2020. Therefore, it's time. <laughs> that we do the update. And again, this is a requirement, federal requirement. And the, the Metropolitan Transportation Plan serves as the foundation for all of your transportation improvement projects. And it also serves as the eligibility for all your federal aid projects. Commissioner Julie Thomas explained to the public what the transportation plan would cover. Martin added that the plan would also look on the outskirts of the city as well. Just for the public's edification, what this company is going to do is take into account all of the existing plans, which would include um, county plans, city plans for, for roadways and um, mm -hmm. 
the, the Bloomington Transit's recent plant comp plans, all the comp plans basically, but then just looking scaling wise, just looking at that area that's part of the Metropolitan Planning Organization um, boundary, it, right? It, it would focus on the urbanized area boundary, which has been determined by the Census Bureau. And then it would also look at potential areas of growth within the next 20 to 25 years. In other words, if the urbanized area were to expand, and there are only certain directions it can expand given karst topography, uh, so it would also examine those areas too. The commissioners approved the agreement unanimously. The next Monroe County Commissioners meeting will be held on December 20th. The Monroe County Council met on December 12th. County Attorney Jeff Cockrell presented a request for approval of a tax abatement for Enhanced Semiconductors Incorporated. I am here for an item that has been through the Economic Development um, Commission and the County Commissioners. It is a request for a tax abatement that's a, a little bit different than our typical tax abatement in that they're requesting a 10-year, 100% abatement on uh, personal property that they're intending to do. I guess I have uh, three different topics that I would like to address to, uh, well, really four, because I'll talk a little procedure as well. Um, but the, to, to kind of why we were excited and why those groups came to the conclusions that they did. All right, the, the, the process is a little bit different this time for one very important reason. One is this is the former GE building that uh, Cook Group had gotten a tax abatement uh, and had an economic revitalization area declared for it for 15 years. Um, I think this is a reflection on the importance of this building in utilizing it for the, for the workforce and the grow, to grow the workforce in our community as well. And it's one of the blessings of this project is that it is taking a former site that we had a plan to redevelop in 2018, COVID hit, and that led to a lot of wrenches in that plan. Um, but, that, but the Cook Group did enough on that building to make it so that it is now, that they're now marketing it to a different group and they've had the, the ability to be flexible enough to be able to open up this opportunity for the community. President of Enhanced Semiconductors, Bob Patty, spoke to the council about the business. We have uh, more than 20 years experience in building these kinds of devices. This is notionally the next generation of semiconductors. It is a way of building the chips that we use in all of our wonderful electronics today, but it's much less expensive to build. I will also state that it's uh, it's more environmentally friendly in terms of what we do than the chip production itself. During public comment, local journalist Dave Askins asked how much the tax abatement would amount to. Cockrell said they would have paid approximately $8.8 million in taxes over the 10-year period. Equivalent over the 10 years, it's a little over $8.8 million in uh, foregone taxes that we that they would have paid if they weren't for this abatement again this is a 10-year abatement with 100 percent of the the taxes mm -hmm. abated each year for personal property uh, we we don't have a real good estimate on what the real property investment's going to be in you know they discussed having to make having to put some investment into the property that is not part of this abatement and so clearly that is right. going to be part of the normal taxation schedule but i 
I don't have a I don't have a reasonable estimate for that, but it, it'll be not 150 million significant, but significant nonetheless. Councilmember Jeff McKim asked about where the tax revenue would go if they didn't approve the tax abatement. Cockrell responded. And just to follow up on that, so <clears throat> where, given that this is in a, in a TIF district, uh, where and, and the personal property is being captured by mm-hmm. the TIF, if the abatement were not to be given, but the investment still continued, where would the, uh, where would the tax revenue go? It, it would be in the Curry Profile uh, TIF allocation area, which would go into the Curry Profile TIF, which is essentially the two lots that were on the screen earlier tonight, the, the GE plant plus the, the parking lot next door. So that is the allocation area. Councilmember Marty Hawk asked about how much water the plant would need. Patty responded. But I did want to mention because somebody sent me a question and I don't have the answer and you don't have to answer it now, but they're just wondering how much water it's going to take. and Will that change the water use in that area? So I just wanted them to know I asked the question. Feel free. I apologize. I didn't get it. That's okay. Yes, we use a fair amount of water. It takes about 250 gallons of water to process a wafer. And we intend to ramp to about 5,000 wafers uh, per month. So I don't have the math off the top of my head, but it's uh, if you take 250 times 5,000, that's the monthly water consumption. We do about a 50% recycle. It actually takes about 500 gallons, but we do reprocess the water that we can. The council voted to unanimously approve the tax abatement for enhanced semiconductors. The Monroe County Council will meet again on January 9th. On Wednesday, the Bloomington City Council unanimously rejected the sale of the city's police station on 3rd Street. Deputy Mayor Larry Allen presented a summary of the resolution. This this does authorize the sale of real property uh, that we mentioned. The sale is made pursuant to Indiana Code 36111. Under that particular provision of Indiana Code, uh, it is required to have city council approval before any real property in this manner can be sold. Um, we have obtained, just to jump to the end, just so right up top we know what we're talking about, we received three bids during the sale period, and the city believes that it has received a best and highest offer from GMS Pavilion Properties for $4.4 million. Um, And if approved, this would enable the administration to negotiate the closing with the the buyer, but to be clear, the closing would occur in 2024, so it would have to be conducted by the next administration. What this would do simply is to authorize that administration to pursue uh, the closing of this property. Outgoing Mayor John Hamilton spoke in support of the sale. We are very pleased that we received bids for Showers West, which of course is not directly in front of you tonight, but we're very pleased that we got bids for Showers West that are right in line with the estimates. And all of these processes, including the closing costs for the, for the, um, for the transaction at issue here, um, are, are going to be negotiated what what the administration is asking council tonight is to allow this administration and the next administration to negotiate those final details. Uh, of course, the, any administration is going to have moving parts in any large project like this, but the numbers are good 
uh, when we look at a project like this, and I think the decision for this council is do we let this administration and the next administration negotiate to conclusion the purchase, uh, the sale uh, of the headquarters to facilitate the full project movement uh, of the four projects, or if this council decides not to allow that to go forward, then the result will be this administration and the next administration will move forward with the bond proceeds and any other proceeds that we have to do the two highest priority projects. And the next administration and the next council will wrestle with, okay, what do we do about the other two projects? So I think, I mean, I'm happy to, we're happy to dig into those details, but the overall fiscal picture is very good with the sources that we've identified. And of course, there'll be negotiations to be done. During public comment, Mayor-elect Carrie Thompson urged the council to delay the sale of the building. Good evening, this is Carrie Thompson. I've listened tonight to the presentation and questions, and it's clear to me that there are many outstanding issues with this property that we still have yet to determine. If this property attracted three qualifying bid, qualified bids in such a short period of time, it can again attract qualified bids in the future should we choose to sell. Such a delay allows us time to ensure we are financially and ethically headed in a direction to protect our city's best interest. And in fact, would serve to reduce the rent eventually paid for a leaseback, a rate that if viewed as interest on the total sale price would be in excess of 9%. Certainly the city can bond for a lower interest rate than that. Declining these offers does not preclude us from selling this property in the future, but it does allow the city time to complete due diligence on the sale, the costs of Showers West, and also time to discuss with the Buzzkirk and Hill families regarding the possibility of what types of future uses would be within the gift's intent. It does not seem prudent to rush into a deal tonight one that may not close until my administration is in place, but one which would absolutely be bound by. Thank you for your careful consideration of the questions which remain outstanding. Further complicating the process is a deed restriction on the land, which requires the property to be a public park. Local resident Nathaniel Usher Hill IV spoke out against the proposal, saying his family members were the original signers of the deed. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Nat Hill IV. You will hear my brother Philip Hill shortly. Our grandfather, Nat Hill II, and his brother Philip Buskirk Hill were original signers of the deed. My brother and I are here today as heirs, I'm the better looking one, to convince you that you should not approve this flawed sale. I need to start with a genuine apology. I'm genuinely sorry we haven't paid more attention to what has taken place at City Hall and here at the Bloomington City Council. I feel bad that so much time and energy has been spent getting everybody to this point. I also want to make it clear that we are not mad at Mayor Hamilton, the City Council, or anybody else. Much has been made of the cordial discussion my brother and I did indeed have with the mayor. That's how discussions should be. I told Mayor Hamilton at our cordial meeting, and I repeat, it was a cordial meeting, that this sale would obviously result in another, quote, nine-story student housing building with an empty retail first floor, and I forgot to add, with free underwater parking. 
The mayor assured us that wouldn't happen. Well, at the Public Works Board meeting Friday, which I watched, bid number three was for a 475-bedroom development on 1.3 acres. I think that violates the spirit of the intent. The mayor is firmly convinced this sale is a good and proper thing. We made it clear to the mayor that we simply disagree regarding the legality and fairness in selling 31% of the land initially described in the being in the deed as being used exclusively for a free public park for the use of the citizens of Bloomington, Indiana, in order to build another high-rise student building downtown. Wait a minute, that wasn't in the original deed, was it? Quickly switching gears. Bloomington is a town of never-ending generosity. There have been countless donations given over the years to this city. My brother and I have been very happy with the continuing faithfulness of the city in stewarding past donations. As far as we know up until now, the city has batted 100% in honoring the wishes of many donors. The proposed sale of the Waldron Hill and Buskirk Park property is way out of character for the city of Bloomington. So in winding down this sport short speech, who came up with the three-minute limit anyway? I want to repeat, we're not mad at anybody. But I also repeat, we don't believe the sale of the park is legal, is in any way keeping in the spirit in which the transaction was put together, and certainly not an advisable thing to do to promote future giving. We're simply asking you to do the right thing and vote against this resolution. I think I speak for all the heirs and their ancestors who originally deeded the park to the city when I said, when I say, we've all had good Christian raisins, we got eighth grade educations, ain't no reason for y'all to be treating us this way. Thank you. The council voted zero to nine, rejecting the sale of the police building. This was the last city council meeting of the year. The council will convene for an organizational meeting on January 10th of next year. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin discusses the polar bear plunge at Payne Town State Recreation Area at Lake Monroe. That's coming up next in his weekly column on the WFHB Local News. The B-Square Bulletin sends out an emailed morning bulletin every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can sign up for the morning bulletin by visiting bsquarebulletin.com and clicking on the tab labeled subscribe. Here's an entry from a recent edition. Polar Plunge on New Year's Day. Even though the swearing-in of new city elected officials is set for noon at City Hall on January 1st, there's still time for them to participate in the polar bear plunge at the Paintown State Recreation Area at Lake Monroe. The plunge is set for 10 a.m. sharp. Registration starts at 9 o'clock. I've touched base with the organizers who advised arrive extra early before 9 o'clock so that you can complete the registration in person. The website is down and can't accept online registration. I hope some elected officials do show up for the plunge. To increase the chances, I asked ChatGPT to write a promotional bit for this event in the style of Stefan from Saturday Night Live. 
Here's the result. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most exhilarating, bone-chilling, and absolutely absurd event of the century. Get ready to plunge into the frosty abyss with Bloomington Polar Bear Plunge Extravaganza. This New Year's Day, the Paintown Recreation Area will become the epicenter of icy insanity. Imagine the snowflakes falling like confetti, the lake shimmering with frozen excitement, and a polar bear who prances down the beach, a picture of elegance whipping the crowd into a frozen frenzy. But hold on to your mittens, because this year we're taking the plunge to a whole nother level. We've got a challenge for the Bloomington City Council members, the city clerk, and the mayor-elect who are about to embark on a four-year term of chilling responsibility. Picture this. Just hours before they take the oath of office at noon, we want them to don their wildest, wackiest costumes and dive headfirst into the frosty embrace of Lake Monroe. Yes, you heard it right. The polar bear plunge as the ultimate prelude to public service. It is a baptism into bureaucracy by the icy waters of commitment. They'll emerge from the lake reborn, ready to face the challenges of the city with the invigorating spirit of a polar bear with icicles hanging from his big furry nose. Will they accept this ice-cold challenge? Who knows? Come watch and find out. But wait, there's more. Attention, aspiring politicians, if you're planning to run for office in the coming year, why not start your campaign with a splash? Join the Bloomington Polar Bear Plunge and show your future constituents that you're not afraid to dive deep into the issues, no matter how chilly they may be. It's not just a plunge, it's a political polar party. So mark your calendars, strap on your snow boots, and get ready to take the plunge of a lifetime. Bloomington Polar Bear Plunge, where the water is cold, but the enthusiasm is red hot. Don't miss out on the frosty fun because the ripples from Polar Bear Plunge on New Year's Day this year will wind up in the icy legends of tomorrow. Until next week, this has been Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin for WFHB. What some kids really want this holiday season is a true friend. Big Brothers Big Sisters of South Central Indiana has a wait list of littles hoping Santa will bring them a big. Lauren Fulford has the details on a new episode of Activate, coming your way right now on the WFHB Local News. Welcome to Activate, featuring real people working for positive change in our community, encouraging you to get involved, live your passion, and make a difference. Hello, my name is Lauren Fulford. I'm the Director of Engagement for Big Brothers Big Sisters of South Central Indiana. And what Big Brothers Big Sisters' mission is, is to create and support one-to-one -one mentoring relationships that ignite the power and promise of youth. Our goal is to have local community members volunteer to serve as bigs, and what they would do is mentor our littles in our program that are seeking that mentorship relationship. So whether that be they're lacking a parent figure, or maybe they do have parent figures and they just don't have enough time to invest in that kid's specific interest, um, a kid has 
a desire to learn a certain skill set that maybe that parent doesn't have you know, the time or resources to do. And we really look at the kid, that full picture of what are they looking for? What are they needing out of this mentorship? And looking for someone in our community to kind of fill that need for the kid. I think something that gets overlooked or is maybe a misconception of our organization is that, you know, you have to be in some sort of crisis or some sort of predicament to be needing a mentorship when really all kids need mentors, you know, whether you're in the perfect family situation or the not so perfect family situation, everyone can benefit from having that mentor in their life. And big brothers, big sisters, that's exactly what we do. There is no criteria that tells you whether you are or are not ready or valuable enough to need a mentor. Um, and we really strive to match any and all children interested in our program with a local community member to serve as their big and really go into that child's interest. We have an upcoming hot chocolate little stop and serve, if you will. So our littles will be coming to the office with their bags, enjoying some hot chocolate, some holiday crafts. You can do as little or as much as you'd like. The mentorship piece is really the most important piece of the puzzle and just spending that quality time with a kid. I have always had a passion for the youth, taking kids that may be on a path towards not so great choices and putting them back on track. It can be that next step to getting them connected with someone that can really encourage them to move forward with their passions, explore what they're interested in, and really just make something of themselves. And ultimately, our community will benefit from our youth being empowered. It's an investment in our community's future. Our program is completely free to all participants. So any family that is interested in signing their kid up to be a little can do that at no charge to them. So we're always looking for donations of any size. Recurring donations are the most valuable thing to any agency, in my opinion, just because it provides that constant flow of income. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all donations are tax deductible. Uh, we accept in-kind donations as well, so if there's any corporations, businesses that have some community investment funds that they need to work through or distribute before the end of the year, we could probably find a way to use them. Financial contributions are always very much appreciated. We're always looking for bigs as well. We have a wait list of kiddos that are really eager to get matched, but with our matching process being very intentional and being very focused on compatibility, longevity, and safety. Sometimes it takes a little more time than one might assume to get that match going and really find a good fit. So volunteers are always encouraged. We love having people reach out to us wanting to be bigs and our littles really love getting to be matched. You can pretty much do and find anything I've talked about through our website, which is just www.bigsindiana.org. Again, our website is bigs, B-I-G-S, indiana.org. Or you could email our general email, which is just bbbs at bigsindiana.org. So that's three Bs, S at bigsindiana.org. Again, I'm Lauren Fulford with Big Brothers Big Sisters of South Central Indiana. And remember, it takes little to be big. You've been listening to Activate, true stories from friends and neighbors who stand up for what they believe in. Activate is a partnership between WFHB and the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network, working together to build a strong, healthy, and engaged community with production support from students in the media school at Indiana University. You can learn more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area online at bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. That's bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org.
Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Walker Husky Schneider in partnership with CATS Community Access Television Services. Activate is produced by Chad Carruthers and Michelle Moss. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Brandon Blewett. And I'm Noelle Herhusky Schneider. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 